0: You may be seated. We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, if you would like to open your Bibles there. We are talking about songs of victory. There are so many songs that tell us about victory in Jesus, that in itself being one, victory in Jesus. But the song we have just sung... uh, Is a song of victory. Even though a cross is an instrument of torture, it is really something that is horrible, repulsive. Yet it brings us victory today. We can rejoice in the wonderful cross. As we read in Galatians 3 and 13, the Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Let's pray. Father, we, we ask you to please speak to us here today. We have come to this place to hear from you. We know you're in our midst, and we know that you have a message for each one of us. We pray you will speak, that we will listen, and we will apply your word. Thank you for the wonderful cross upon which Jesus, our Savior, died. And we pray that you will be honored in this message. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The song that we have just sung, Chris Tomlin rewrote... An old song. And when I say an old song, we're talking about an old song. Because the song entitled, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, was written by Isaac Watts in 1707. That makes it pretty old. It was put to music in 1824 by Lowell Mason. And it has been sung in churches for all of these years. Isaac Watts was a tremendous songwriter. There are several songs in our hymn book that he has written. One thing about Isaac Watts was that he basically was disowned by his own grandfather, who was a very staunch, uh, uh, I believe, a pastor, and who loved the old songs. And here comes Isaac Watts along writing new songs and that just didn't cut it. You know how that is, you know, a new song to some people is like why? But that's where Isaac Watts was in his day. He wrote a wrote a new song, this being one of them, and really caught flack as a result of that. But what a tremendous message it has. When I surveyed the wondrous cross and incidentally Chris Tomlin, when he rewrote this, uh, left out my, my favorite verse, the song. We're not going to take time to read through that, but it was the, my favorite one. But the thing that we see, and really the thing that is important here today, is what the song is all about. Not about who wrote it. Because the song is all about Jesus. It's all about the one who was willing to go to the cross, the instrument of death and torture in our behalf. And I want to share with you some things about the cross today and relate that to this song to see what Jesus went through in that last week before uh, his resurrection You know, next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, and obviously we're going to be celebrating here because Jesus is alive. But this last week before his resurrection, he went through so much, uh, really it is indescribable. Words can't do it justice for us to really understand and explain what Jesus went through. But I want to share four things. First of all, I want us to understand that nothing in the world is as crucial as the cross. Nothing. I, I thought about that. You know, anytime you use an absolute like that, nothing, you have to really think about it. Because I'm thinking, okay, some may say, well, the birth of Jesus was the most important thing. Well, obviously, he had to be born. Some would say the resurrection is the most important thing, and I would say he would have never risen from the dead if he hadn't died on the cross. What we find in the Bible is that Jesus Christ went to the cross, and it was an important thing basically because it was the payment for our sins. Without the fact that he went to the cross and died on the cross, we would not have a payment for our sins. So when Isaac Watts penned the words, when I surveyed the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. What we find in his words is the object of the cross basically And that is the Prince of Glory, Jesus himself. You see, many people have died on crosses. But this one was unique in several ways. First of all, he is God who came to live on the earth in a fleshly body. We know he is God. We have read that throughout the scriptures that Jesus Christ is God, the Son of God. We also know that he is a sinless being. He came to earth, was born of a virgin, lived throughout all of his life while he was here on the earth, and he did no wrong. He was totally innocent. In 1 Peter 2 and 21, Peter depicts this. He says, For you were called, in verse 21... Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, he says, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, nor committed himself to him who judges righteously. His description of Jesus, basically, is that he did no sin, he was not deceitful, He did not do anything for his own personal gain. But everything that he did was in our behalf because of his great love for us. And so we see that he went to the cross. And actually, I can say he went to the cross in my place. But I want you to know that he went to the cross in your place. You deserved death on the cross. You deserved far more than that. Eternal death. So Peter said in verse 18 of chapter 3, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. Now you figure that out. Who is the just and who is the unjust? It's not hard to understand that Jesus Christ is the just one. He is the perfect one. He is the one without sin. And we are the ones who are unjust. So he says, for the reason is that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So it's crucial. The cross is crucial. It magnifies my sin. The Bible tells me that I am a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23. It magnifies my sin. And helps me to understand that uh, I am not innocent and that Christ died for me. I, I deserve to die. The wages of sin is death, but he died in my place. The Apostle Paul said that the things that were gain to me I counted worthless in comparison to the cross of Christ. Philippians 3, 7. Basically, he stated in the song, my richest gain I count but loss. There is nothing on this earth, nothing in the world, that is as important and as valuable as the cross of Jesus. And that's why Paul could say, but what things were gained to me, those I have counted loss ...for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost... ...for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord... ...for whom I have suffered the loss of all things... ...and count them as rubbish... ...that I may gain Christ and be found in Him... ...not having mine own righteousness which is from the law... ...but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith. Paul understood there is nothing in this world as important as Jesus. That's the expression we find. The king of glory, the prince of glory, died in our place. Secondly, I want us to understand that nothing in the world is as cruel as the cross. Please understand that it was a cruel death. Really beyond, again, words. But when Isaac Watts penned the words, he said, see, from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. He had a broken heart. And he had such love and compassion for us. He said, did e'er such love and sorrow meet our thorns compose so rich a crown? Paul said in Galatians 3.13, the passage that we read a moment ago, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. It was not just the pain he endured, the death that he died, but it was the shame. He experienced on the cross for us. I want us to experience a little bit of that right now.
1: Grabbed his arms as they tightly strapped each wrist. With a hellish look stood a strong armed soldier, whip clenched in his fist. Laced with chips of bone, they beat him hard from his shoulders to his feet. And it sliced right through his olive skin, just like razors through a sheet. Countless times the blood splattered as each inhuman lash was given. Several times his knees gave way, as his flesh just hung like ribbons. Then, surprisingly, he turned his head. Though the words he used were few, the soldier's face turned pale when he said, "This blood is for you." Uncaringly, they tossed a garment across his weakened and his blood pressure fell deathly low as the crowds began to swarm. They forced him to carry his cross uphill as his face they punched and smacked, while the splinters from the crisscross cross beam dug deep into his back. Through lack of sleep and dehydration, his tongue began to swell and weakened by his loss of blood, this prophet, teacher, fell. When he did, some blood splattered on a man named Simon. shoe. And as he bent to wipe it off, the prophet looked and said, Simon, this blood is for you.
2: This blood can save the soul, heal the sick, mend the heart. The very throne of God and it still can go the distance through the pain to where you are this blood is the you the
1: blood of the land then they pounded a spike from the bones in his wrists bursting arteries as they drop the cross in the hole they dug, his body convulsed with pain, through agony and torment that never a soul shall find, he tilts his face towards heaven with full control of his mind, with more love than any human heard before that time for since, he made a statement that to this day makes the strongest skeptic the God, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and as he gave his life for those lost in sin, he was saying, this blood is for you.
2: And this blood can save the soul, heal the sick, mend the heart, this blood can give you access to the veil. Your mind is
0: says that without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. The only way the only absolutely the only way that we could ever come to Christ is through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way we could ever get to heaven ever be forgiven of our sins and uh, so when he he named the song called the song The Wonderful Cross it was our only hope The third thing I want to share with you is that nothing in the world is as compelling as the cross. It is gripping. It is convincing. And such are the words here in this song. The wonderful cross bids me come and die to find that I may truly live. All who gather here by grace, draw near and bless your name. The wonderful cross. The cross is calling us to act. The cross personalizes all of this. When we began to realize and to see what Jesus actually did on the cross for us, it's as if he calls my name, John. I did all of this for you. I've always heard that, you know, that if I was the only sinner on the earth because the love of God is so far beyond our comprehension, he would have reached down. His son would have died just for me. Today, whoever you are, I want you to be assured. I want you to understand that that he is calling to you. It's not like, you know, it's not like you can just check a box and say, you know, yes, I'm going to follow the Lord or no, I'm not. I want you to realize that He's calling you. He, he knows your name. He loves you. He has your number. He's got your info. He knows your life. And He's still calling. The fact that we know that He did that for us urges us, compels us. It bids me to come. In John 12 and 32, Jesus' own words said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all people to me. He was lifted up on the cross He is drawing people, compelling people to come to him. He wants you, he loves you, and he's bidding you to come. The fourth thing is that nothing in the world is as challenging as the cross. We're challenged through this. He says, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. What he's saying is, if, if I owned everything in the world, that would not be a large enough offering to pay back what Christ has done for us. Actually, he's not even asking for us to pay back what he has done. All he's asking, all he wants is for us to commit our lives to him, to choose to follow him. He is challenging us to follow him, both in his death, that we might die to the world and live for him, and in his life, that that others might see Christ in us. He says that it is love so amazing, so divine. It demands my soul, my life, my all. To consider what Christ did on the cross really is challenging to me. To just walk away from the cross without responding to the love that Jesus had there. To turn my back on the cross. How is that possible? And yet, millions have done so. Today, he is calling us to the cross. He is calling us to respond to the cross. He is calling us to a life change, and that's what the cross does. Changes us from the old person that we were to a totally new person washed in the blood of the Lamb, cleansed from the inside out, changed forevermore. The Apostle Paul gives a discourse in Romans chapter 12 about the Christian life. Because some people think, you know, if I'm saved, then I can just do what I want to do. But I'm going to give my life to Christ today, and then they walk away living just like they kept were previously living. So Paul said it, verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affection to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another, Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. A picture of a Christian, a picture of the way Jesus lived his life. Even in his death, even in going to the cross, That's the way he lived his life. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It challenges me. I cannot sit unmoved when I think about what Jesus did for me on Calvary. And now what he has done for all of us is that he has put the ball in our court. He paid it all. One of the things he said on the cross is, it is finished. Now what are you going to do? How will you respond? What are you going to do about the fact that Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross for you? That's the question today. Let's pray together. Father, you know every heart, all people here, and uh, you know our failures, and they ever come before us. You know our needs, and Father, we are compelled and challenged to come to you today today. Because of what you have done on the cross for our sins, we pray for those who do not know you, that they will not waste another day without committing their lives to you. Pray now that you will bless this time as we cry out to you, as we pray for one another, and as we welcome people to come into your kingdom. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?